0: Thank you for listening to the Cultivate Church audio podcast. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and motivated. Now here's today's message. All right, good morning, everyone. Come on, aren't you glad to be at church today? Come on, it's been two weeks since I've seen you guys, and you guys look awesome, man. You look great this morning. We're in week two of a series we've called Insta- Insta today's message is titled married life now listen before you get up and run out if you're not married I promise it's gonna be life-giving There's gonna be some stuff you're gonna to want to write down and apply to your life today All right, so let's go ahead and pull those notes out and while you're pulling those out Listen, you remember 80% of what you write down. So I want to encourage you take some notes today write down some stuff with me Okay, um, we why Insta? why this series? here's what we know We know that we live in a culture today that is vastly different than 10 years ago, 20 years ago, really even five years ago. I mean, it's different. There are more social media platforms today than there's ever been, and it's growing. I can't keep up. There was a point where I could, I can't keep up with all of the different ones and all of the different forms and uh, fashions of social media. And here's what I do know, that most of us fashion our lives, design our lives, compare our lives to something around what we see day in and day out. Many of us are living lives um, trying, we're exhausting ourselves, spinning our wheels, trying to keep up with culture around us, trying to keep up with what we see on Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat or TikTok or fill in the blank. Uh, We're trying to figure that out. We're trying to be like those people. And the reality is we just can't seem to do it. Why? Because it's all fake. None of it's real. It took them two thousand tries to get that one that you're comparing everything to. If you were to look at their uh, at their camera or their, or their or their camera feed, you would see a thousand other tries to get to that one thing that they thought was uh, acceptable to show the world. It's and it's got every filter on earth that you can imagine, right? Like there's no way that we can live up to everyone else's projections of what they say that their life is, and. For us, if we're going to actually live a life that honors God in our life, if this is going to be the best year of my life, how many of you want it to be the actual real year of your life, right? Like actually me, not the fake me, not what I'm trying to produce. How about if the real me could be good enough? How about if the real me, who I really am, not exhausted trying to spin my wheels to keep up with everybody else around me, what if the real who I am was actually good enough? Here's what I know. That it can be, not only can it be good enough, it can be more than enough. Jesus said, I, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and life to the fullest. Last week, week one, we talked about dating, and this was really the phrase, if you want to just culminate the, uh, last week's message, if you hadn't heard it, I do want to encourage you to go online, look it up, watch it, but if you want a, a synopsis of last week, here it is. Culture says to find the right person, but the Bible says to be the right person. Culture says, "Go and find the right person." How I many know you'll never just find Mister or Mrs. Right, but if you focus on being the right person, God's plan can be worked out in your life. And today, if you've got your notes, pull those out. First Peter chapter four, verse eight says this: Our theme verse all month. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Culture teaches us that love is this emotion. It's something that you can fall in and out of. It's something that you can have one minute and not the next. It's fleeting. It's moving. I don't understand it. Scripture teaches us that love is nothing like that. Scripture teaches us that love is sustaining. It is long-lasting. It is an action. It's something I choose. It's a decision I make. For God so loved the world that he Gave. Here's what I understand. That the Bible teaches us that sin separated us from God's presence. Can I tell you this, though? It never separated us from his love. It was his love that found a way back to us and in his presence. So what are we talking about as it relates to just being married? I want to see that phrase even true today. Culture says to find it. like Culture says for the other person to be right and I'll be right. But really, God tells us if we'll focus on being the right person, we can begin to see tangible change in our lives. Most of the time in our culture today, marriage we've seen is really kind of a non-issue, or it's, it's one of the biggest issues, but it's not even considered uh, an important thing in our culture today. We've seen a couple of weeks ago we even talked about how marriage is on the decline and cohabitating is on the incline. People go, "Why well, don't want to get married? That's just a, a it's just a piece of paper. Why do I want to do that? I can just you know, or why would I want to be with somebody forever if I can't at least try it out, right? Like test it out. And statistics have proven that cohabitating has actually Increase the probability of that that actual relationship ending in divorce by over 60%. But if I live with someone before I'm married, chances are divorce is is going to happen in that relationship. Marriage just isn't valued in our culture. I saw a story this week about a minister who was called into a local nursing home to perform a wedding. This guy was wanting to get married again in his old age, and he met him at the door, and he sat down to counsel with him and just kind of get some information. He said, well, do you love her? And the old man said, well, no, I'm not I'm not really sure. I guess I do. And he said, well, is she at least like a good Christian woman? He goes, well, I don't know for sure. I hadn't really asked a lot of questions. He said, well, does she have a lot of money? Like confused. And uh, he said, no, I doubt it. I mean, she's here in this place with me. I doubt she's got a lot of money. He said, well, why in the world are you marrying her? He said, well, listen, I, I realize that she can drive at night. <laughs> Like, at times, the older we get, the lower our standards seem to get, right? Like, in, in marriage, and in relationships, the truth is, come on, marriage is struggling in our culture. Last year, America spent $20.7 billion on Valentine's Day. You know what I'm saying? That's a lot of money. $20.7 billion on the day of love. Yet divorce in our country is at an all-time high. Uh, marriage is under attack greater than it's ever been, because culture teaches to use all, uh, for us to only pursue what makes us happy. We celebrate days like Valentine's Day, thinking it'll grow our relationships, while not really addressing how to develop health, healthy, strong relationships. What if I told you this truth that? Studies have proven that people that are devoted to their faith and attend church regularly are 35 to 95% less likely to actually divorce. You see, that statistic that says divorce is on the rise, even amongst Christians in America, up to 65% almost, that actually is smoke and mirrors. If you were to take out the people that are actually devoted to their faith—not just say that they have faith, or not just act as if, like say it's a verbal thing—but that their life lives it out, they are devoted to their faith. They are devoted to their family. That statistics among those people uh, actually—it's—they're less likely to divorce. Up to ninety-five percent of those people. Meaning this, it's almost non-existent in those relationships. Isn't that crazy? Like that throws a whole new wrench in the reality of what marriage should look like. Why? Here's the big idea. You ready for this? God designed it. God designed marriage and he gives us a way to honor him through it. You can have a lifelong, strong, happy, and fulfilled marriage. This year can be the greatest year of marriage you've ever experienced. If I do it God's way. Now, here's the good news, because y'all are in here, and come on, I've been in here. Who would agree with me? Show of hands. Come on. Who would say marriage has proven to be a little more difficult than I expected, right? Come on. It is hard. I was married at 21 years old. I didn't realize what in God's name did I get myself into. You know what I'm saying? We've all been there. Like, what did I do? My wife, as much as I thought that, she probably triple thought that. Like, what did I get into? Marriage is hard when done in our own strength. But the good news is, come on, y'all, this is an open book test. God gives us some very clear, plain instruction on how we can honor God in our marriage and how it can be lifelong and fulfilling and incredible. It can be an example of all the things, check this out, of all the things God chose to show the world how much he loved the world. Of all the examples and illustrations he could have used, y'all know what he used? Marriage. Come on, Christ is the groom. The church is the bride. Of all the things in the world he could have used to demonstrate his incredible love for the world, he chose marriage, meaning that a a God-honoring marriage is is a literal example to the world of God's love to us. It can be life-giving. It can be good. Jesus said this, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy But I have come to give you life and life to the fullest. So I'm going to go ahead and give you a heads up. I'm going to share three principles with you today. And chances are, when I give you these principles, the first thing in your mind is going to be, nope. (laughs) You're going to be like, heck no. Get your purse. Let's go. Right? Because it's countercultural. It's opposite, especially in 2020, of what what culture tells us to do and how to act. But I want to tell you something. I want to remind you. Jesus said, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's probably not going so great right now. There are probably areas that need to grow in your life and in your marriage. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life to the fullest. Now, who's here today who said, man, I want that full life. I want that more than enough life. I don't want my marriage to struggle. I don't want it to be an issue. Man, I want to honor God. I want to be an incredible example to the world around me and my sphere of influence. It can happen. All right. So let's pray and let's dive in and let's trust Jesus. Father, we love you. Man, we're grateful for your word, that it's alive and breathing and real and for us. So, Father, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice, those listening online, via podcast, those in this room, across every campus. God, I pray that your word would be real and transformative in our lives. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Perform spiritual surgery on our hearts so that we can live a life that honors you. In Jesus' name, come on, we all said it. Amen. Number one, you're ready. Remember, Jesus said this, I come to give you life and life to the fullest. Are you ready, women? Are you ready? Wives, submit to your husbands. Are you good? Submit to your husbands. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is head of his wife as Christ is head of the church. He's the savior of his body the church as Christ as, as the church submits to Christ so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything i didn't say it don't get mad at me it's what it says here's what i know there are people in this room as soon as you heard that word said heck no right if you only knew my husband if you only knew how he acted if you only knew fill in the blank Here's what I know. What I think about him determines a lot of things. So I want to ask yourself this question. Write this down. What do I think about him? What do I think about him? Some of y'all are like, yeah, but my husband's an idiot. (laughs) Come on, I could have done better. If I had it to do over again, I'd have chose someone else. You're telling me to submit? Come on, we're just in two different places right now in life. Anybody ever said that? He's not as fun as me or dependable as me. I deserve better. How I think will govern what I, choose, what I begin to believe. What I think about my husband eventually begins to make, it begins to, to shift what I begin to believe about my husband. And the Bible teaches us, it says to submit. Can I tell you something? It's not submission if you agree with it. If you're on board with everything they're doing, it's not submission. It's only ever submission if there's a point of contention that you have to go, okay, I'm gonna go that way. I don't necessarily want to. I don't necessarily feel like it, but okay, I'm going to go that way. It's not submission unless you agree, unless you disagree. And here's what the Bible says in Philippians 4. It'll be on the screen so you can look at this. It says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Everybody say fix. One, two, three. Fix Fix your thoughts on what is true. It means I'm going to have to focus sometimes on what is honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you have heard from me and saw me doing. That means this, that probably many of you had this thought pop in your mind as soon as you heard the word submit. And in your mind, you had all of these negative emotions start swelling up. But yeah, if you just knew this... I'm telling you, the Bible is teaching us, reminding us to see the potential in something, not the now in something. Can I tell you that's how God sees you? God sees every good and bad thing. He sees every horrible thing that's happened in our life, past, present, and future. Every unbelievable thought that maybe we've never acted on, but if they knew that we had thought it, you know what I'm saying? God knows us intimately and loves us still. Sees the potential in you, even though he knows us, even though he knows every sin and every thought in our lives. I want to encourage you. Stop focusing on what you wish you could change in your husband and start searching for the good. Condition yourself to look for the best. Condition yourself to believe the best. It's going to be a discipline before it's a habit. Come on, it's real easy to go. And well, I knew this was going to happen. I knew that he was going to do this. He does this every time. And you begin to think negative thoughts, negative things. If you only knew him, can I tell you? It's going to be. Le- it's going to be more and more difficult if you see your spouse in his humanity versus looking at him like Jesus sees him. Right. So begin to begin to submit. What does it look like to submit? It's easier to submit if I change the way that I. Think about him, and here's the reason: if I if I think it, eventually I'm going to say it. So next next check mark. What do I say about him? What am I speaking over my husband? What I say matters. Heard a story this week about a couple driving down an old road, several miles. They're not saying a word to one another because they're mad. They got in this dumb argument. Anybody ever fight? Our worst fights are in the car on long road trips. Like, it's crazy. I don't know. what We just get in arguments over... Like, we don't even understand why. Why are we even fighting? But obviously, as uh, as... The nature of all of us, they neither one of them wanted to concede. (laughs) Nobody wanted to concede their position. And as they passed, like on this old barnyard, they passed this old farm uh, full of donkeys and pigs and animals. And he looked over and he said, is that some of your your relatives? I know. She said, yep, that's my (laughs) in-laws. Come on. What we say, though, seriously, come on, y'all, it matters. Here's what I want to ask you. Come on. Do you speak well of your husband when he's around? What about when he's not around? Come on, what about when you're by yourself? What about when you're around your friends? What about when it's on text message or social media? Come on, do you speak well of him or do you cut him down in front of your friends or your family? Do you, do you kind of cut his knees out from under him? Here's what I, wanna, I want you to hear. Write this quote down. It's in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Ready? The tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue has the power of life and death. Now listen, those that love it will eat of its fruit. What are you saying, Brandon? What I say will begin to happen. Come on, if I'm always telling my husband how, how, uh, how negative he is and how, how much of a deadbeat he is and how much I wish he would live up to this standard or be like this person or act like this person or do this thing, if that's all I'm ever saying, can I tell you, guess what he's going to do? He's going to lower himself down to the standard that you're setting. You need to speak life into His life. Begin to speak the things that aren't as though they are. Come on, begin to tell him how much you love him and how much you care for him and how good of a provider he is and how good of a father he is. I don't care if he is or if he isn't. Begin to speak life into him, meaning, listen, it means what I say will happen. It's a principle of God's word. You will reap what you sow. What I speak into action. I will begin to experience in the physical. It matters what I say. What you say about your husband when he's around or when he's not, it matters. So I want to encourage you. Here's your challenge. Begin to speak favorably of your husband. Come on, even if he don't deserve it. I'm I'm willing to bet, listen, that you will begin to see him living up to the standards that you're speaking over him. You'll begin to see slowly but surely, you'll begin to see your husband living up to the things that you're speaking over his life. Stop being so negative. Listen, if you begin to view your husband like you view Jesus, can I tell you things are going to change in your relationship, whether he deserves it or not. Jesus don't see you the way you are right now. You understand? He don't see us the way we are right now. Aren't you glad Jesus sees our potential? Aren't you glad he don't look at me in the way that I am today, but he sees in what potentially could come and what he could do, his purpose and his plan? Begin to view your husband that way. Number two, this one's big. Come on, man, you got prideful for a moment there. I'm gonna, we're ready. Husbands... Love your wives. Oh, that's not so bad. Yeah, I do that. Let me tell you what that means. You ready? Ephesians 5, it continues. For husbands, this means to love your wives. It's talking about mutual submission to one another out of reverence to Christ. For wives, that means to submit to your husbands. For husbands, this means to, to love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands, you ought to love your wives as they as you love your own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. Come on, no one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. So what does it look like for me to love my wife like Christ loved the church? God, what does that even mean? Come on, that is a weighty statement. What does that even look like? Number one, you write this down. Let me ask you a question, help you figure this out. Do I make her better? Do I make her better? Listen, I realize that as men, most of us find our identity in what we do, but our goal is not to stand before God one day and tell him what level we got to on our favorite video game. Or to tell him how how increased we got, or to tell him, or to brag about our accomplishments with our jobs, we're not going to stand before God one day and Him say, "Well done on the job that you worked so hard at." We're going to stand before God one day, guys, and He's going to He's going to look at our spouse and He's going to say, "How did how well does she look? How well it? Show me your wife. This is your responsibility. Do I make her better? How am I making her life better? Is she growing in her faith?" Come on, is she living a joyful life? How are her relationships? Is she enjoying life? Check this out. Listen, it falls on us. Come on, this is countercultural. Culture says every every man for himself. We talking about that ain't you. She's our own person. The Bible tells us, God teaches us, he he gives us this responsibility that the well-being of your wife falls on you. That means this, my dreams, my desires, my wishes are now totally vanished into the melting pot of my wife her dreams, her desires, her wishes, her life matters because of me. It's what Jesus did. Come on, when the rubber hit the road, it took an ultimate sacrifice for Jesus to make his bride better, didn't it? When the rubber hit the road, he had to leave his deity and become lower than low, scripture says. He became he left the richness of heaven, became poverty on earth so that he could present the bride of Christ to God as holy and blameless. It took an ultimate sacrifice. Do I make her better? And the next one you you can ask yourself is, do I honor her? Come on, do I honor my wife? 1 Peter 3.7, you want to write this reference down. I think it's in your notes. It says, the same for you, husbands. Be good, good husbands to your wives. You want to underline this part. Honor and delight in them. Honor them. Delight in them. As women, they may lack some of your physical advantages is what it's talking about. They may lack some of your advantages. You may be stronger than them. But this, in this new life of God's grace, you are equals. Treat your wives then as equals so that your prayers won't run aground. It's our responsibility as husbands to create and develop culture in our homes. Listen to that, church. Come on, what's the culture in your home look like right now? Come on, is it life-giving? Or is it man? Does it does the air just get sucked out of the room when you guys are together? What's the what's the culture in your home? Can I tell you? It's not her responsibility. She's got a bad attitude. Come on, it's 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 heavy when you get home. It's your responsibility. It's not hers. We're we're leaving the responsibility up to our spouses. It's our responsibility to create the culture. Am I life giving? Am I kind? Am I honoring? What does it look like? Check this out. This is huge. Are you listening? The fact that our prayers would be answered or not depends on how honoring I am to my wife. Come on, I got a prayer. I'm asking God to do things in my life. Are you honoring your wife? What does it look like for you and your relationship with God and your honoring relationship with your wife? Our prayers won't even be considered unless our wives are being honored. Come on, this is open book. Open book. How do I I honor my wife in my marriage? How do I I have a fulfilled marriage this year? Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Now, many of you are already saying, well, it might be a little easier to submit to him if if he loved me a little more. And guys are like, well, it might be a little easier to love her if she wasn't such a jerk. If she respected me a little more, if she was a little more kind, can I tell you? Listen, it's not there. We can look at it. It doesn't say submit to your husbands if, he's, if he looks like Jesus. It doesn't say love your wives like Christ loved the church if she submits to you. Those are, those, are some, those are not synonymous together. Those are independent apart from one another. Whether they deserve it or not, I love them, I honor them. Whether they deserve it or not, I submit to them, I look at them, and I see them through the eyes of Jesus. Whatever that looks like. Number three, you ready? Number three, fulfill one another. Fulfill one another. Come on, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 says it this way. Open book test. How do I have a God-honoring marriage? For this, husbands should fulfill his sexual needs of his wife. And then wife should fulfill her husband's needs. Wife, this means you give your authority of your body to your husband. Husband, this means you give authority of your body to your wife. Come on, it's 2020. That is not what culture says, right? Do not deprive each other of sexual relations until, unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so that you can give yourself more completely to prayer. Afterward, this is huge, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I'm going to give you some points. You ready? Number one, you need to write this down. Sex is not about me it's not about me. It was designed by God for marriage to strengthen the culture of a godly relationship. You see, it's about mutual submission to one another. There's really nothing more holy or personal or intimate or intimate that a married couple can participate in together. And here's the problem. Culture says it's all about you. Culture says if it feels good, pursue it. Culture says whenever, however, with whomever. But sex in a marriage binds and strengthens a relationship. Can I tell you, sex outside of marriage destroys relationships. It's not good. It doesn't work. It says for this reason. Why? Because it's not just a physical act. It's a spiritual covenant you're making. So what does it look like for me to be fulfilled in my marriage? I should be fulfilling. We should be fulfilling one another emotionally, spiritually, and physically listen to this it's clear in first peter i mean in first corinthians 7 that a marriage that lacks intimacy invites the enemy into your marriage it says this afterward you should come together again so that satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self control Literally, we're opening a door for the enemy to invite and inviting him into our marriage. If we're not pursuing and intentional on building and fulfilling one another in our marriage, so how do I do that? I'm going to give you some, a list real quick on how to how do I begin to fulfill uh, in, find fulfillment in my marriage. Number one, write this down. Start each day with a hug and a kiss. Come on, that's easy, right? Start each day. That's not hard. That's easy. Intentional. Number two, write this down. Always, everybody say always. always, always say I love you before parting ways. Come on, that's easy. That's easy to do. Always. Number three, this one's a little more difficult. Compliment freely and often. Compliment freely and often. Here's what I've learned in my own marriage just because I'm right doesn't mean I always mean to, need to say it. Right? Just because I'm right doesn't need, mean it always needs to be said. <laughs> Come on, Brandon Doss has learned that the hard way. All right? Just because you're right. But come on. Every life-giving thing that you think should always be spoken. Why in the world would I allow something life-giving and, and that would build her up and encourage her? Why would I let that be wasted? If you think it and it's life-giving, say it. Compliment one another freely and often. Go on dates. Come on, even cheap dates. It is so easy in our culture today to completely let our kids and life and work completely run our schedules, isn't it? I mean, it's easy. It's so easy to look at your uh, kid's social calendar and go, bro, we ain't got no, like, we ain't got no room for anything. Like but between t-ball practice and, and, uh, and school functions. And listen, I'm a t-ball coach this year, four-year-old t-ball. I had a kid, a four-year-old I, parent come to me and go, hey, listen, we're going to be late we're going to be late to, uh, to outfit fittings, to uniform fittings, because my three-year-old has a dance. <laughs> I was like, what? What in the world? Like, like, it's just like overwhelming. We got so much stuff going on. And can I tell you one day we're going to wake up and, and, and our kids are going to be out of the house and we're going to wake up one day and we're going to be awake right next to a stranger. Because so many other things have ruled and reigned our schedules. Take time for one another. Pursue one another. Go on dates. Make it simple. It ain't got to be expensive, but but intentionally write it on your calendar that we're going to pursue one another. This one's huge. Number five. Come on, it gets a little more difficult. Pray with each other out loud. Pray with each other out loud. I would venture to say that that's almost non-existent in most marriages. Listen, I'm a pastor, and sometimes it's awkward. Sometimes it's weird, especially when you're mad at one another, right? Like sometimes it's not easy to pray with one another out loud. But can I tell you, when I am speaking out loud, what I say, remember, matters. Life and death and the power of the tongue. Pray for one another out loud. Number six, this one's come on easy. Sneak a kiss. Come on, pursue one another. This one's huge. Apologize sincerely. I'm going to write that one down. Stop saying, I'm sorry, but. I'm sorry I said that, but you're such a jerk. (laughs) Come on, you ever done that? (laughs) I'm sorry I did that, but doggone it. You're just so, oh. Stop saying, I'm sorry, but. We've practiced this for years in our marriage, and my wife reminds me, hey, you just said, but. (laughs) You said, I'm sorry. You can't do that, right? It's true. Don't say, I'm sorry. Like, authentically apologize sincerely. And then this one's huge. Forgive completely. Stop stacking up ammunition. Some of y'all got so much ammunition stored up against your spouse, you would think we're entering into like a world war. Like you got years of ammunition stored up. And there's no way they could ever get past anything because of all of the stuff you've got stored up. Forgive them. Let it go. Forgiveness is not about, you know what it is? It's a financial term. It just means I'm not coming after, you don't owe me anything. That's what forgiveness means. I'm I'm letting it go. It means I don't bring it up again. Stop. Stop holding them accountable. Forgive them completely. Come on, number nine, light some candles. Intentionally pursue one another. Put the kids to bed early. Be spontaneous. Come on, you can fulfill one another if you try. It's an open book test. Come on, this can be the best year of marriage you've ever experienced in your life, I promise. You're not married yet, I promise you. You begin to walk out these principles from day one, you'll have a God-honoring, life-fulfilling marriage that's an example to the world. Here's what a marriage looks like. A successful marriage can only be found in two selfless people devoted to God's plan and not their own. God, your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I wanna pray with you. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? band's gonna come here's the bottom line most important of all continue to show deep love for one another for love covers a multitude of sins come on it's a decision I make every day to not view my spouse where they are now but I'm gonna see them the way Jesus sees them I'm gonna love them the way God loves them Maybe you're here today and your marriage is struggling. and Maybe your life is struggling. Maybe your attitude is struggling, really because your relationship with God is struggling. I can tell you, it's real hard. It's really hard to submit to God's word if I haven't submitted to God's love. I want you to know today, there's a God in heaven that loves you more than you ever dreamed or imagined possible. Come on, he knows everything that's ever happened in your life, past, past, present, and future. And he loves you anyways. He still sent his son to die on a cross for our rescue. We said it a while ago, sin separated us from his presence. It never separated us from his love. His love found a way back to you through an ultimate sacrifice. And I tell you, you'll never really understand what it means to have a fulfilled marriage until you have a fulfilled relationship with God. It's designed by him. So I'm going to invite you right now where you are. Pull out that connect card we spoke about. I'm going to pray. And maybe this is you. Maybe you say, man, if I'm honest, Brandon, I'm real honest. I don't have a relationship with you. I can't tell you the last time I've been serious with my relationship with God. I want my marriage to work. I want my my spouse. I want to see them like Jesus sees them. I want to honor them like Jesus honors them. I want to submit to them like I would submit to Jesus. Come on, it starts with a relationship with him first. So, Father, I pray for my friends right now. Holy Spirit, as we sit in this place, begin to talk to us. Right now, begin to speak to our hearts. Reveal to us. God, search our hearts. See if there's anything in us, God, that needs to go. God, help us to repent of those things. Right now, where you are, if that's you. Come on, nobody's looking. Nobody's going to come to you. Nobody's going to call you out. You've got that connect card in your hand. I need a relationship with Jesus. Mark it right now. I'm committing my life to Christ. I'm making a decision to put God first. I'm making a decision to honor Jesus with my life. Right now where you are. Father, we thank you for your forgiveness. And you can say this prayer right where you are. Thank you, God, for forgiving me of my sins. Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. And I'm going to follow you as my Lord. I'm taking your teachings. I'm going to live out my life in a way that honors you. You are my Savior and my Lord. Get all of the glory out of my life in my marriage, in my relationships from this day forward. And Father, I pray for my friends. Maybe you're here today and for the first time in a long time, you need to make a recommitment in your faith to Jesus. Come on, do that right now where you are. No better decision you can make than to start fresh and new with a relationship with the Father. So Father, we love you and we're grateful for your kindness. God, I'm thankful that this is going to be the greatest year of marriage that Cultivate Church has ever seen, that Shelby County has ever seen. God, use us for your glory and God, get all of the honor out of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, 1015, can you celebrate that today? Come on, people saying yes to Jesus.